Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended. I am Tara Scott, and with me as always is Chris Bryant. Woo! Can you believe we're at episode eight already? I know. Look at us go. Woo! So good. Uh, so before we do anything else, we just want to give a real quick shout out to Lisa M, who sent us a Kofi contribution. And first of all, of course, obviously, thank you, Lisa, so thank much. You. We so appreciate it. You know, really helps to go to pay for some of the costs for this, and we're just thrilled. The message was so sweet and really touched us since we just wanted to share it, which is actually up on the Kofi page if anybody wants to see it. And it says, just wanted to show my appreciation, not just for the pod, but for your other pursuits too. Tara's amazing book reviews led me to so many great authors, including the marvelous Ms. Chris Bryant. Thank you for making queer hearts happy. And you know what? Just like, Thank you, Lisa. We are so glad that you're enjoying the podcast because that's really kind of what this is all about. We do want to make queer hearts happy and we want to connect people with their next great piece of queer media. Definitely. Thank you very, very much. So this week we have a listener question from another Lisa, or at least we're pretty sure it's a different Lisa than who we just talked about. She says, hi there. Love your show and your work. You have such great chemistry together. My question relates to authors with books on Kindle Unlimited. Does it benefit the author financially if I read their book on Kindle Unlimited first and then also purchase the book? Or does Amazon not pay them for the Kindle Unlimited read if the book is then purchased by the same account? I want to support authors in any little way I can, but I want to make sure I'm going about it correctly. So Chris and I actually had no idea what the answer was (laughs) to this particular question. And so I turned to a couple of the indie authors that I know who have experience with Amazon's system. So, you know what, Lisa, thank you for the question. We got some great answers from a couple of authors. Uh, Melana McKay shared this. She said, for an indie author who only has their books on Amazon, reading their book on Kindle Unlimited first provides royalties per every page read. Then on top of that, if the reader ends up purchasing the book, the author gets their usual 70% cut if the book is above $2.99. So yes, if you do Kindle Unlimited first, then outright purchase it. The author will get more royalties. But if you have to choose, buying outright will provide more than Kindle Unlimited. And Caitlin Ryan added, Yep, what Melana said, the only caveat is that for particularly long books or really cheap books, authors will get more from Kindle Unlimited. So there you go. Now we know. The one thing that I would add, actually, is that for books on Kindle Unlimited, usually they are indie authors. But in some cases, publishers are actually putting them on there. And if you purchase a book directly from the publisher, that is the way that will get the most money directly to the author. So true, true. if you have an option, roll with that one. We had another listener question come in from Tiff who wants to know, why have we not yet talked about the movie The World to Come? It is hands down the best screenplay and epic lesbian love story I've ever experienced. My wife and I were super lucky to see it in the theaters on its opening night all alone. I'm super excited to hear what you and Chris have to say about this film. So it kind of takes place. I, I went to read the synopsis of it and see what the movie was all about because I love movies and I will basically watch everything and anything. And this was kind of the similar time frame as Ammonite, which I talked about several episodes ago. It's mm-hmm. mid 1800s. And so I'm sure at one point I will watch it, but I kind of wanted to, to watch more modern things. And then I'll go back to to the mid 1800s where sometimes you know things don't always turn out the way we want them to yes i mean i feel like the short answer to tiff's question is just that like we haven't seen the movie (laughs) right 
And in my case, I mean, I think, I can't remember if it was that episode or another one. Um, I said, you know, I actually really rarely watch queer films because I'm so afraid that one or both of them is going to die or be institutionalized. Like, there's just some kind of a punishment so frequently right. that I just don't have that trust. And, you know, I, I want to know. And so here's kind of a cool thing. I also mentioned at the same time that we need a website that's like, does the dog die? But for queer to- content. And guess <laughs> what? Chris, guess what? What? I got, Tell me. I got, I got good news. <laughs> The amazing people at Does the Dog Die, they already have a filter for this on their website. So I think we should go look up the world to come and see what it says. Because I am personally not watching this movie unless I know what it's about. Uh, What do you think? Let's look. Let's go look. Let's go look at it. I'm just going to say as a word of warning, no matter what happens, this is going to be a spoiler. Because we're looking. So plug your ears or... Yeah, if you're upset about spoilers, uh, you might want to skip ahead a little bit. And also, just so you know, we're going to put the link in the show notes so that you can also get there easily if you're a big old baby like me and you want to know before committing to watching something where uh, that has queer people in it. So, does the talk die? The world to come. Oh, where'd it go? There you go. The funny thing is, what people don't know, I had already, I had planned to have the link open and then we went and we <laughs> looked up Ammonite. <laughs> Because I wanted to find out what people thought of the ending. Because if they thought it was a bad ending or a sad ending. And so we had to go look to see how people did, people interpreted the movie. And the funny thing is, they also agreed it was ambiguous. See? Two people said it had an unhappy ending. And one person said it had a happy ending. So. Right. So it really was... That's what I'm saying. It's one of those movies where if you want it to be happy, it can be happy. And if you don't want it to be happy, which who the hell doesn't want that to be happy? You know, mm-hmm. then they're just, they just, you know, I'm sure a lot of people just want the, uh, you know, the true fairy tale ending. And we know that wasn't really the case back oh, in the totally. 1800s. So, okay, okay, go ahead. What'd you find out? Let's see. So for the world to come, uh, it starts off by telling us that there is a dead animal, uh, but it's a dog, not dog does not die. It's not a dog. <laughs> not a this dog. Is great news. <laughs> uh, does an animal die? That's, oh, I suppose there is a difference between is there a dead animal and does an animal die? Oh, um, um, Yeah. A hawk, a pig, and some chickens. Well, I'm guessing most of them Sounds like they, they gotta they gotta eat, right? Right, that's what I was thinking. Um, no dog fighting, no horses dying, no spiders no cats dying, no spiders, no bugs. A dragon right. does not die. There's a filter for whether dragons die. <laughs> <laughs> does someone abuse alcohol? Yes, yes. apparently. Uh, Is there cannibalism? There's no, no cannibalism. Good news. No torture. Amazing. Okay, this is taking too long. Does a kid? Oh, oh, a, a kid does die, and somebody cheats. And somebody cheats. Okay, <laughs> someone fart or spit. Okay, <laughs> some of it is over the top. We don't need all to the- know all of it, but I feel like I know that these were not put there specifically about queer people, but I really bet that these show up a lot in them. Is there a mental into, is there a mental institution? Right, scene? you're right, no. especially during this time. Right, is electrotherapy used? No, right. but also was definitely used very heavily with queer people right. in the mid 20th century. This is taking a long time. I'm going to search on the page. LGBTQ. Does an LGBT person die? Yes. Boo. But is there sexual content? Yes. Also, so, yes. you know. So, Chris, I think this means that you need to watch it and report back. If I, I will do that. <laughs> I will. Re- I will do that. I will watch it and I will 
report back in a future episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I kind of love about this is it says here, are there incestuous relationships? First of all, the answer is no. But second of all, they include a <gasps> national nice. sexual assault hotline there. A phone number. That's perfect. All right. So there cool. you have it, everybody. Okay. You too can know if you are a big baby like me. <laughs> <laughs> so we can check it out. That's actually kind of cool. I'll use it in the future because there have been some movies that I'm just like, are you kidding me? Because I watch right? it, you know, I spend two hours of my night just to watch something and it turns out to be bad, horrible ending. So mm-hmm. this is good to know. I'm going to save this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dog ear this website. <laughs> that's right. Oh my God. That's terrible. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. The joke is bad and you should it feel is. bad. I know. I, I don't feel bad because I never use puns because I hate them that much. <laughs> this is true about me. Oh uh, okay. God. So listen up. So since the last episode, it's been a really big week for queer fiction because the Lammy nominees were released as well as the uh, Forward Indies uh, finalists were announced. That is so true. And I was so excited. There were some really exciting things on both. Yes. And I just think that maybe i i don't i don't want to say that i'm like clairvoyant but clearly my taste is very very good a hundred percent you deserve the credit thank you because why (laughs) let's tell everybody why some of my favorite books books that i in fact have talked about on this very show are nominated yes the first of which the best book I read in the last decade, the subtweet by Vivek Shraya, nominated for a Lammy. Fantastic. For I'm going to applaud because I think it's going to win. Yes, I'm going to applaud. Let's give her a round of applause. For Holy sure. Shit. Vivek Shraya, you are winning. Every- I hope you win this. Yes, um, I do too. No, it was a great no book. to the others, right? Right, exactly. The next one, also a little round of applause for You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson, which is nominated for a Lammy for Young Adult Fiction. It was so good i know i said this in a previous episode but it was just such a wonderful book i am so happy for her this is a debut novel like just incredible yes and there was a really really strong slate of books for lesbian romance yes some books that i really loved in the last year specifically the ones that were my favorites were wrong number right woman by jay which again we talked about in our first full episode written in the stars by alexandria belfler which is just a lovely wonderful Rome opposites attract romance between a, an astronomer no astrologer astrologer astrology person what's an astrology person astrologer astrologist astrology see stop <laughs> <laughs> what have you done to my brain we usually record these on like a sunday morning right and this time we're doing it at on a monday night work day and i got nothing left astrologer astrologer today astrologer astrologer um and an actuary and it's oh wow lovely wow totally opposites attract right Uh, there's a fake relationship element really really lovely um and then the third one that i loved was nottingham by anna burke yes nottingham right yes excited i'm excited too because my sister ali valley is up for a lammy which is fantastic because we all know alley valley and this is for romance it's not even for the the kane casey series so Mm -hmm. i mean which which has really like made alley valley this incredible you know kind of like a mobster type writer of a yeah you know series you know and so and then all of a sudden like a romance comes out you know she's really good at romance she is and uh so i'm excited about that and claire ashton's book so i'm the heavy hitters great such, books 
Yeah, Claire I mean, I'm excited. Is a wonderful writer. Right, I am super excited to to find you know to see who wins. I mean, we should have a five way tie. I have to admit, there have been years in the past where I've looked at the Glammy nominees for lesbian romances and have kind of been like, what? Because there are just some books that I've like, literally, I've never heard of. And right. they end up on the list. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I mean, I don't know what the process is like. But this year, I saw that whole slate and I was like, yep, that's pretty good. Yeah, that, that's true. That makes sense. And so in Forward Indies, Nottingham also got nominated again in the LGBTQ category alongside who is it? Oh, drum, drum roll, roll. It's Lucky by you, Chris Woo! Bryant. Congratulations. Thank How does it feel? You. It feels really good. <laughs> it was funny. I was joking. Somebody had sent me a text and said, hey, congratulations. And I'm like, what for? Because you know, I didn't know that things were being announced. And so my friend told me, oh, you know, you're a finalist. And I'm like, Hoo-hoo. and I'm like, what book? You know, I'm like, I go, lucky, the book that like two people read. Yay. <laughs> so, but those two people loved it a lot. They loved it. And they said good things. And that's the important thing. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are there any others that have you excited about the yes. forward endings? So here's the deal. So the amazing thing is that BSB has a couple of other writers but that have our finalists. But here's what's so exciting is that both L. Spencer and Julie Tizard are in romance, the category romance, not even LGBTQ romance, just romance. So, so good. It's like, it's like, it, it's just crazy. It's so good. I'm so happy for them. And yeah. Julie's also an LGBTQ as well. So, but I mean, kudos to them for like mm-hmm. getting out of the LGBT and going straight to romance. So I'm it excited. It's like such tremendous progress. Growth. I know. We're like knocking down ceilings and, you know, we're, we're taking mm-hmm. over. Well, not really People taking over, but it's well, not yet, <laughs> <laughs> not yet, but still, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm so excited. So I'm excited to see how that plays out, you know, because yes. it's, I mean, I remember when um, LGBTQ books had their own section in like Barnes and Noble had that mm-hmm. tiny little, you know, however, like three shelf series and then oh, yeah. had LGBTQ two, section two hidden and a back. Half. Yeah. It was like on the third story of Barnes and Nobles hidden in the back yeah. next to like art history or like mechanics <laughs> and or cooking. something <laughs> yeah cooking for over 80 years old yeah. you know it's yes. like super easy and then they're like or quilting it was like super far away from like normal stuff yeah. you know so and it was so funny because i was I, i'd always go to barnes and noble and i'd like oh look here's cooking you know for grandma and then i'd like sneak over to the lgbt section and look and then i'd come back over and so Pick I remember that time. Book. <laughs> yeah. And then so then it all like, I don't know, like five years ago, maybe everything mm-hmm. got integrated. So that was great. That was such a, a momentous moment for LGBTQ books. I thought so I was excited. Good. Yes. So enough about that. Sorry. <laughs> no, take it away. I think this is a good thing to celebrate. Like, <laughs> yes, we've been hoping for years that you know, FF or WLW or lesbian romance or however you want to call it. But like romances that celebrate and center um, relationships between two women. Like we've just been hoping that it would start to get invited to the table with the rest of romance and it's happening. It's been happening. We've been seeing, you know, large publishers start to put out like large romance publishers start to put out FF romances and now like actually having it validated in this kind of a, a way is amazing right and i mean and for two two two. books to be finalists yeah and awesome i'm so proud i'm so happy for them so chris yes what have you been watching 
Well, I've been watching everything that I have been watching in the past, but I also started a new show on Netflix called The One. Hmm. What is it? Okay, so here's the synopsis, and then we'll get into this. It's kind of cool. Love and lies spiral when a DNA researcher helps discover a way to find the perfect partner and creates a bold new matchmaking service. Like, what an amazing concept. Is it, so it's like a fiction show. Yeah, it's a fiction show. Okay. But what, so, so it's kind of like, what if there really was a DNA matchmaking service? And would you try to find your perfect match? Or would you not tempt fate and just stay in the relationship mm. that you're in? Mm-hmm. So, so you can think that you're in the perfect relationship. And everywhere you go, there's advertisements for this service. Are you the one? Who's your perfect match? And of course, you're going to be curious. I mean, who totally. wouldn't be curious? Yeah. yeah. And so so the creator promises that, you know, why settle for like twos and threes when you can be settling for a six, you know, on the scale of one to ten or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that's what the service does. So you never know if your search, if your your perfect match is going to be a man or a woman. Uh, you don't know if they're going to live in the same town as you. They could live in a whole different country across the world. And so it's really it's. It's, I love the way that they do it. Like the anticipate, anticipation of wondering if you are really with the right person or not. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm kind of like halfway through the series and it's interesting because the people who do, who are matched, you see yeah. their fireworks right away. And it could be like a subliminal message, like, okay, this person is your person. And so maybe they're feeling the, the love and the chemistry because of somebody telling them this, or is it really happening? Mm-hmm. So they use DNA to match it. And I think it's kind of cool. I think the concept is great. And so like, there's this couple on there that are, they are married and mm-hmm. they're like, oh no, we're happy. We don't need this. We don't want the service. I don't, the, the, the husband's like, I don't want the service. So we're fine. I'm happy. I love you. And they have a great relationship and they're so loving. And secretly she sends in his DNA because she wants to know like who is oh, his match. No. So um, yeah. So that whole thing plays out and I'm just like, oh my God. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it was, a it's, uh, it's, I'm halfway through the season, maybe. I think I'm halfway, I don't know, maybe five episodes in Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a darkness to it. And, and it's kind of weird because this woman is, she's like, the government kind of tries to shut her down and she's like, look, you don't understand. You, th- you know, because right now the divorce rates are skyrocketing. People are finding their matches, so they're divorcing oh, yeah. and they're leaving their wives or husbands or whatever, and they're getting into different relationships. And so she's the the owner of this, this the one service. She's like, look, you know, there's not going to be divorce. As soon as like this whole thing, it's a spike right now, but it's all going to be, you're going to be matched up. Mm-hmm. People are going to be getting divorces. You know, people are going to be coming from, children aren't going to be coming from broken homes. And yeah. so the concepts is interesting because it's like, do you use science for something like this or do you just use your heart? That's super interesting. See, with a title like that, I was like, this could be a Netflix reality show. <laughs> That's true. It could. And I'm sure that there probably was something called The One or Are You The One or some sort of matchmaking yeah. service. I almost feel like there is something like that. But but I'm actually watching a fictitious series. So, Well, that sounds a lot better than Love is Blind was. <laughs> You know what? I watch that. I tell you, I watch everything. I'm not even kidding. Oh, yeah. I watch everything on TV. <laughs> I mean, we watched that, too. That was, like, good pandemic viewing. We right. We watched it after we watched The Tiger King. And, uh... Yes. And there is yeah. queer rep in this. There is queer rep. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, a woman who, like, is in 
I don't, she's a cop. And mm-hmm. she's surprised because her match is a woman. And she did not think it was going to be a woman. Hmm. So, and oh, it's interesting. Is she, she, is she open to it? Yeah. And she kind of sort That's of falls nice. in love on through like video chatting and things like yeah. that because she lives in a different country. So. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. I hope it doesn't. I mean, it's dark and and this lady does some really bad things, but you're still kind of rooting for her. You know, maybe that's mm-hmm. just a bad. Maybe I have like blackness in my heart because <laughs> in a way I kind of hope she doesn't get caught doing what she did. But at the same time, I know that it's wrong. But I think that this is I, I need for this to continue. I need to see like what happens with everything mm-hmm. and the people who do try this match service it's kind of interesting yeah it sounds super interesting yeah that's what i've been uh doing all week so uh <laughs> tara what about you what have you been watching and reading so everybody i'm sure you're dying to hear what's going on with hades but i haven't been playing it lately <gasps> i'm not done i'm not done but i picked up another friend another friend i picked up another- <laughs> <laughs> good for you sister good for you right? Games are friends, too. Um, I picked up another game that one of my best friends from work told me about. He texted me. and He was like, this is on sale. Get it for your Switch right now. And I was like, okay. It's called Children of Morta. And it actually, the way you play is a little bit like Hades because you're going to die over and over and over again. But it's kind of that through dying, you get to make your character stronger. Because as you're out fighting in the dungeons, you're collecting this currency that you can use to upgrade your health how hard you hit, all that kind of stuff. But what's really interesting to me is the world and the characters because it's set up so that um, there's corruption down in the caves or something like that. It's a fantasy game, but it's a family that has to go and sort this out. And so when you start, you have two characters that you can choose to play as as you go in. The one is the dad named John, and he has a gigantic sword and a gigantic shield. And then there's the daughter, Lydia, who has a bow and arrow. And then you get the little brother, Kevin, and he has two knives. And then you get another brother, Mark. He kind of, he's out doing something at some monastery or something, but he comes back and he's basically a monk that punches things really hard. And they have this interesting mechanic where like, if you play one of them for too long, they get basically too tired. And so it's intentionally set up to make you play all the different characters. And as you level the different characters up, they get bonuses not just for themselves to make themselves stronger, but there are like family-wide bonuses. Which I think is a really, really cool game mechanic. And I've never seen anything like that before. So if you have a Nintendo Switch or whatever other console you can play Children of Morta on, go and get it because it is so good and it's so much fun. Actually, it's on Game Pass for the Xbox, so if that's a thing that any of you use. I tried it out there and was like, but I don't like playing the Xbox and bought it for my Switch. Because <laughs> I'm a baby. That's going to be the theme of this. It's out. You know what? The episode title is probably going to end up being called I'm a Baby because I've said it too many times. <laughs> I'm a baby. I'm a baby, you know. <sighs> And then in terms of what I've been reading, I have been reading The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. And I have been hearing about this book for a long time. So I think it came out in 2014. Oh, wow. Or something like that. And the thing that I always heard about it is it's lovely. It's gentle. It's like Firefly. But if you take away all of the grossness that Firefly had because of Joss Whedon, you know, like his... Right. Weird fetishization of sex workers and Asian people and that kind of thing. 
somewhere somebody's real mad at me because I just said that out loud. <laughs> but here we are. And you know what? It kind of is like that. And so I am going to read the blurb for people. And the thing that I kind of love is that at the top of the blurb, it says the beloved debut novel that will restore your faith in humanity. And you know what? Aww, that actually is does. true. It really Aww. does. So what it's about. When Rosemary Harper joins the crew of the Wayfarer, she isn't expecting much. The ship, which has seen better days, offers her everything she could possibly want. A small, quiet spot to call home for a while, adventure in far-off corners of the galaxy and distance from a troubled past. But Rosemary gets more than she bargained for with the Wayfarer. The crew is a mishmash of species and personalities, from Sissix, the friendly reptilian pilot, to Kizzy and Jenks, the constantly sparring engineers who keep the ship running. Life on board is chaotic, but more or less peaceful, exactly what Rosemary wants. Until the crew are offered the job of a lifetime, the chance to build a hyperspace tunnel to a distant planet. They'll earn enough money to live comfortably for years if they survive the long trip through war-torn interstellar space without endangering any of the fragile alliances that keep the galaxy peaceful. But Rosemary isn't the only person on board with secrets to hide, and the crew will soon discover that space may be vast, but spaceships are very small indeed. Oh. That last line of the blurb is so good! Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And it reads like a movie. Like, yes. I would watch that movie. I am surprised, actually, that this is not a movie yet. The only thing I can figure is maybe because sci-fi is expensive to make. I don't know. But, so the funny thing with this book is that uh, my next-door neighbor, who is one of my very best friends, she has been telling me for a while, she's like, you need to read this book. It's so good. It's one of my comfort reads. I've read it eight times. And I'm like, okay, wow. yes, I will. And then what did I read over the holidays when I had time to read and was not reading for a review? I read the Murderbot series. And so <laughs> she was like, God damn it. When are read you this book. This book? <laughs> read it already. And uh, so I was pleased to tell her, it's like, Stacy, I started reading this book. It's so good. And she's like, I know, finally. You dick. <laughs> she didn't call me a dick at all. <laughs> She's way too nice for that. Um, and so, first of all, thank you, Stacy. You are correct. It is so gentle. There is so much love in this book, and there is so much heart to it. The crew members are all just like really kind to each other. And it was funny because I went on Goodreads and I was reading some of the negative reviews because I'd seen nothing but love, but I was like, okay, what are the shitty things people have to say about this? And they're basically like, too many feelings, not enough shootings. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Then. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Cause reading about when you read the blurb, I was like, hmm, it sounds like there's probably some like war in space type thing. I think so. I mean, there's, there's, there is some action there for sure. Like there was a scene where um, some raiders board their ship and I was like, Oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> Everything turned out fine. But like, there is some threat, but at the same time, it's just like, there's so much warmth. And I think in sci-fi, there like there was actually some warmth in Murderbot that I loved as well. But this is like on a whole other level. Whereas I've also read some other sci-fi books that are very, very cold. And very kind of almost more in that like analytical space. So I don't know. Like if you want sci-fi with feelings. And apparently it is super queer. Although I haven't seen enough around the relationships to understand what that means. I can report back. The only thing I can figure is maybe the dude that is has feelings for the spaceship's AI. Maybe because the AI would be genderless. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, it's wonderful. People should read this book. Nice. Yeah. So, Chris? Yes. 
I think it's time for official recommendations. <sighs> so what is yours this week? I was right. I was right. I knew I was going to love Dickinson. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So my recommendation is Dickinson, which is on Apple TV. And I decided to go ahead and sign up uh, specifically for this show for the for Dickinson. And it's four ninety nine a month, and I and it's so worth it just to watch the series. There's two two uh, seasons of Dickinson, and I loved it. So I'm going to read the synopsis of it. Yes. And and then we'll go from there. So. Dickinson is a half-hour comedy series that audaciously explores the constraints of society, gender, and family from the perspective of rebellious young poet Emily Dickinson. Yay! Yay! So, and I mentioned this before, when we studied Emily Dickinson in high school and college, it wasn't so much about her. It was basically just learning, you know, dissecting all the poems. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we were told that she was never married. She was a recluse. But... You know, that wasn't really important. The important thing was, you know, the message in her poetry. Yeah. Like we studied in school, we studied like her famous poems and we never mentioned like she wrote a ton f- mm-hmm. for this woman named Sue and we never studied them. You know, we never studied them in school. We studied all the famous ones. Uh-huh. And so, so side note, I graduated last century from college. So, uh, you know, things have, have progressed and have grown since then. So <laughs> I'm hoping that now they talk more about Dickinson's personal life, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the series kind of introduces us to Emily, and she's a young adult. Um, she's from a prominent family in Amherst, Massachusetts, but they aren't richy rich. They're just, like, well off. Yeah. You know, Haley Steinfeld plays Emily. She's quirky, she's super smart, and she's sexy. And the townspeople, they don't really understand her because she's just so on a whole different level, mm-hmm. like, intellectually, and she's, like, on a whole... They don't understand her poems. They pretend that they do, but they really don't. So, um, so, so the queerness is she's in this relationship with her best friend, Sue, and Sue's entire family has died. Like there's nobody left in Sue's life. Mm. She ends up getting engaged to Emily's older brother, Austin. And so instead of being like devastated by this, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't think that they knew that or even had the option of an option. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like. She's going to marry my brother. That's okay because we'll still be family. I'll be gaining a sister, but it won't be a blood sister. But, you know, maybe we can still have this thing going on. It's it's really interesting, their whole relationship and, and, and the whole how Sue, how Sue is in this whole series, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, it, it focuses on Emily and if she really wants to be a writer and it goes back and forth. And, you know, sometimes, you know, she does want to be a writer. She doesn't want to be a writer. And it's so every episode, she's kind of like, I really want to be successful or I don't want to be successful because people warn her against being successful and being a successful woman during this time. Mm -hmm. So she struggles with the possibility of fame. And like she just has she's so emotional. Mm -hmm. They play their portrayers very emotional. All of her relationships are just very tumultuous. I think. The closest relationship besides Sue, who is her lover, mm-hmm. uh, is probably with her sister, her younger sister, Lavinia. And Lavinia, you think she's kind of like a ditzy, I'm just going to go with it. I'm supposed to clean. This mm-hmm. is my role. I need to find a husband. But you see her grow. And it's it's a very sexual positive story for, I mean, it's it's really interesting how they do nice. this. They, they really... They take so much of the 21st century and put it into the series. 
so it's kind it's enjoyable because you know it's like kids i mean so like parents go out of town for one night for whatever like a conference or something so what do the kids do they throw a party <laughs> yeah you know so there's alcohol there's opium there's dancing and it's just like you know you never think about what kids did back then you know how did kids entertain themselves what did they yeah. do so the whole thing was just I, I really enjoyed it and it was funny because there's a scene and I'm, you know, I'm sitting there doing my thing. I'm like writing and I'm watching it at the same time. And I hear this speech and I'm like, what? This is the same speech from Pretty Woman. There is a scene <laughs> in the opera, like when, when Vivian and Edward go to the opera, mm-hmm. there's this whole thing where he explains opera to her. And in this scene, uh, Lavinia is with her fiance and she tells him the exact same word for word. I pulled it up. <laughs> I pulled up Pretty Woman just for that scene, and sure enough, it is just word for word. And I just laughed so hard, and I tweeted it. I was like, did anybody catch this? And zero people caught this. And that means that, means that I watched Pretty Woman entirely too many, different, too many times in my life. To be able to recognize that without possible, even... though. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, there are some dark moments in the series. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really have the best relationships with men in the series. She has friends. Yeah. That are good, but like her dad has a really, he, he, he does the abuse thing where he like does something and then does something nice for her and like gives her all these mixed signals. And, oh, and then her yeah. brother steps in because he thinks it's his job to tell her what to do and boss her around, even though he doesn't want to do it. And you can see that he doesn't want to do it, but he feels like mm-hmm. this is what he's supposed to do as the man of the house while his dad's, you know, away playing Congress. Gross. So, yeah. Is there any sexual assault? Um, let me think about this. No, not that I can recall. Oh, good. I think like, like everybody who has had sex, well, wanted to have sex. It was consensual yeah. sex. Yeah. Now watch me like totally forget this completely rape scene that I forgot about or something, but <laughs> I really don't think so. I think everything <gasps> was... There's a website for this. <gasps> <gasps> yes, does the dog die? <laughs> Type in Let's Dickinson. Is there? It. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I-N. <gasps> It's not there yet. No, D I C K I N. Try oh. that. I can't believe oh, I just yeah, spelled it helps dick. Sp- okay. Spelling. <laughs> Thanks matter. for making me spell that word. <laughs> oh no, okay. there is there is a dead animal and an animal chicken. Does- oh, a yeah. chicken. Chicken. Whatever. chicken. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's what true. There I is a chicken. So we're looking for um, um, assault, sexual assault. Uh, is someone sexually assaulted? No. No. Woo! Very good. It is. Also, no to incestuous relationships for yes, everybody who's wondering. <laughs> and guess what? That national sexual assault hotline. Is That's there again. great. I That's love a that. fantastic feature. That, I, you know, I love that website. I'm going to use it now. I'm going to use it a lot. <laughs> we're gonna. This might turn into a feature. <laughs> I know. We're gonna just like send us movies and stuff, and we'll look at them and we'll talk about them. Everything That's that right. pulls up. <laughs> okay. So, so overall, I totally recommend this for people who know Emily's poetry and who want to see her as a person, not just a poet, mm-hmm. you know, not kind of like a, a stick figure behind all the poetry that we've had to read and like dissect throughout our whole entire lives. Mm-hmm. Plus it's fun and there's queer people in it and, you know, they're young and I think the cast is really brilliant. I think what they do and it's just, it's, it's, you know, they say when you start the second 
series. They say everything in the first series was correct and true, but the second series takes more of a, a license to mm. guess on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. So there are a lot of truths, but ultimately, you know, it's kind of meant to be entertaining. And, you know, was was Emily Dickinson really like this? And maybe she was, you know, we just don't know. Chris, it sounds so good. It is so good. I can't recommend it enough. I had so much fun watching this. So we just started watching Ted Lasso, which is also on Apple TV. Okay. And I think once we finish that, we might have to turn to this because it just sounds, I don't know, it just uh, sounds amazing. Yeah, you should. It really should. At least give it the first couple of episodes. And yeah. and the way they, like, each each episode is a line from her poem, like one of her poems. Because she, most of her poetry oh, was untitled, like 99% yeah. of it. Yeah. So... It's so cool how they, how, and then you see her like go into this writing frenzy where she writes this poem and it makes sense when she's doing it. Like when you're 16 and you're trying to dissect something, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know what that means. And then she's like, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, I totally get it. You know, it could be like I'm older, but yeah. Yes. So I recommend it to you and to everybody else. Love it. Love okay. It. So enough about this. What about you? What is your big recommendation for us this week? Well, I felt like, given that it was nominated for both of the awards that we talked about, I need to talk about Nottingham by by Anna Burke. That needs to be my recommendation. So, as we always do, starting with a blurb, it says, After a fateful hunting accident sends her on the run from the law, Robin finds herself deep in the heart of Sherwood Forest. All she really wants to do is provide for her family and stay out of trouble. But when the damnable sheriff of Nottingham levies the largest tax in the history of England, she's forced to take matters into her own hands. Relying on the help of her merry band of misfits and the sheriff's intriguing and off-limits daughter Marion, Robin must find a way to pull off the biggest heist Sherwood has ever seen. With both heart and freedom at stake, just how much is she willing to risk to ensure the safety of the one she loves? Nottingham is a delightful romp, rife with boys, spelled with an eye, bearing bows, Trans men wielding quarter staffs, noble ladies, loving ladies, body bisexual musicians, naughty non-binary outlaws, and saucy sapphic nuns. In other words, <laughs> Robin Hood like you've never seen her before. Yay! This book is really, really good. It was probably a little too dark for me. What? And yet, I, I know, again, what did I say? I'm a baby. <laughs> Because it's actually like the world is super gritty. People die a lot. Like it starts with a hanging. Like the sheriff of Nottingham is a really fucking bad dude. (laughs) Like just a really, really bad dude doing really, really bad stuff to the people there. And yet, despite it being grittier than what I might typically like to read, it's so good. Like it's so... Anna Burke is just a fabulous writer and her writing is always so crisp and clear and i found this with thorn as well thorn was probably my favorite book that i read the year that it was published and it's one of those books where like she just gets atmosphere so well characters very very well but like to where no word feels spare which I think is what we said about Vivek Shraya as well. Right. right? Like there's right, just right. something about that command of language that's really good. And then on top of it, this book is so joyfully queer. Like it's just lovely. <laughs> I did a review for it where I was talking about that. 
just like how super queer it was. And so you like what I mean by that is like we have a gender flipped Robin Hood, Will Scarlet and Friar Tuck. Robin and Willa, who Willa is the gender flipped uh, Will Scarlet. They're both lesbians. Willa is in love with a bard who is a bisexual woman. There are lesbian nuns. Um, Little John is actually a trans man, which I thought was really interesting and clever. And the other thing that was really lovely about it, like at the same time, like, yes, it's joyfully queer. And also the found family representation in this is just so beautiful. And I think many people love found family stories for many good reasons, but I think it really resonates for queer people, especially because even when we can still have pretty good or even very good relationships with our biological family you still end up building ties that are almost like family right with your like that's why we call them family or we you know like that's that's just the thing (laughs) and so it just it's so perfect in this book like they are each other's people for sure. They love them. They comfort them when they're ready to give up. They will go and they will kick ass together. They take down. I mean, is it really a spoiler to say that they take down the sheriff of Nottingham when like it's a retelling of the right. Robin Hood story, which is centuries old? Right. I think it's good. I think it's not really a spoiler. Yeah. I f- yeah. That was like, <laughs> side note. I remember somebody being super mad at having the movie Titanic spoiled because somebody said the ship sank. <laughs> 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 Which is one of those. I'm sorry, but if you don't know that that's what happened to that ship, one of the most like infamous ship accidents in the case of history, I don't know what to tell you. And I feel similarly about the case of the story Robin Hood because right. there have been many movie interpretations right. of it. There have been cartoons. Right. <laughs> Kevin Costner, which the also... foxes weren't there, weren't there wasn't the cartoon with the foxes? Oh yes, yes, so, with yeah. the foxes. Mm-hmm. Also, it's one of the, like here's a funny thing with me. So of course at the time I had no idea I was queer when I was a kid because again compartmentalization is a wonderful thing I guess. But looking back, it's like oh yeah, there was a reason I watched that movie a lot of times, and her name was Maid Mary. <laughs> <laughs> she was beautiful. But this book and the other thing that was really kind of wonderful about it to me was seeing Marion actually go through a similar thing because she doesn't understand about queerness. She doesn't know that it exists. Like the world is so heteronormative and like seeing all these queer people thrive in this heteronormative world is wonderful. But like for Marion, it really starts with walking in on like two of her female friends when they're banging (laughs) and she's like, what? is happening right now like it's very confusing and it causes a lot of like very tumultuous feelings for her and then especially as she like meets robin and interacts with her and is like i shouldn't be feeling this way about a woman and i loved that like i loved that journey it just felt really authentic because it's not easy when you go from thinking you're a certain way all your life and then finding out that you're not. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Especially that I want to call out about this. Because it's just... I don't know, man. Like, I mean, Anna Burke's a great writer. I love her books. Right? I 100% love her books, yes. Like, if you want a book 
with again like found family queer people and the right people winning like where justice truly prevails this is absolutely that book i am so happy that it was nominated for these two awards um because it definitely like it's it's just fabulous so yes i say go and get it and also if you haven't yet just read Anna Burke's other books because you're gonna yeah, i second that i second that for sure so that's all for this episode thank you everyone for joining us if you've enjoyed the show as always please uh subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast if you would consider leaving a review on apple Podcasts, we would love you forever and send you the highest of fives from our homes to your homes because right. it really helps other people find the show right and or if you want to connect with us on you know any social media sites just search for queerly recommended on instagram twitter and facebook or you can email podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Go to the website. Um, I think that's it. Thank you for listening. Good night, everyone. Bye, everybody. I'm pretty excited that just how surprised people are going to be when that bonus episode drops next week. And uh, I kind of can't believe that she said she would do it.